Guys, we, um, we are, are in a uh, series on, on testimony and the power of testimony. And uh, this morning, we're going to hear some testimonies. And I'm excited about this morning because God's done some really deep, amazing, and beautiful work. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you so much for your blessings. We thank you that your loving kindness is always with us. And this morning, Lord, would you, would you strengthen our hearts through the stories that we hear? Would you bring hope to the places that we are at, the things we're going through? Would you breathe new life into those? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you can just shut that off. I'm not, yeah, cool. Um, you guys, Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I was thinking about that. I just love that phrase so much. And I was thinking how easy it is for us today to jump to all of our New Testament understanding of redemption and what Christ did on the cross and all that stuff and remove the psalm from its actual context. It's not actually specifically what he's talking about. Uh, in fact, his next one says, uh, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from uh, the, head, or the hand of the adversary. Those who have gone through difficult times, those who have felt on the outside of the family circle, on the outside of God's blessing, those who have been exposed to terrible and difficult things and have come through it, let them say, the Lord is good. That's what he's saying. This psalm is, is really wonderful. He goes through, I'm not going to read the whole thing this morning, but he goes through and gives these different examples let this person say the Lord is good. And uh, verse 4, for example, he, he's talking about refugees, those who are going without a city, looking for a city, those who are hungry and thirsty. They cried out to the Lord, and, and, and the Lord met them, and he satisfied their thirsty soul, and he gave them good things. Uh, verse 10, uh, he, he talks about those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains. And he goes and talks about how the Lord met them. And then in verse 17, he talks about those fools, he says, because of their rebellious ways and because of their iniquities were afflicted. And, and how does the Lord meet them? And then 23, those who go, go down in the sea in ships who do business in great waters and a storm comes and it knocks them about and they're, they're just trying to stay alive and, and they cry out to God and how does he meet them? In all of these situations, there's crisis, there's difficult things that are not easily dealt with. But the Lord meets us, and it might be an extended time. It might not just happen like that, but he meets us. And at the end of it, we can stand and say, the Lord is good. I am the redeemed of the Lord, and I say so. And this morning, I want to have some testimonies here of things that people went through that, that weren't easy fixes, and they weren't... Uh, uh, easily dealt with or quickly dealt with. I was thinking um, uh, about the Lord's loving kindness lasting from everlasting to everlasting. What does that mean? And, and before, uh, I, before we, we share these stories, I just want to put this picture in your mind. Last month, I was in Montana 
and I was sitting in this chair watching the sunrise with a cup of coffee, and I'm just sitting, and I have this psalm open, and, and we were kind of up on a bluff, and I, I, we, you could see just for miles and miles, and it was utterly beautiful. You see this line of hills on one side, and then, then just sloping down gently into this area of grass, and this river, river winding through, and on the other side, the mountains beginning, and the river going into a canyon. You could see all of this from this vantage point, and down below, there were these wild horses that were grazing, and it was utterly amazing. And I'm watching and I'm hear, seeing those words from everlasting to everlasting, from north to south, from east to west, as he talks about here. And thinking, man, it looks like I can just see all the way to the east and all the way to the west and the north and the south. And the, 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 the loving kindness of the Lord covers all of that. And then there's something about Montana that you're looking at it and you're thinking, man, I'll tell you what. It feels like I could just close my eyes and open them, and I could be back in the 1800s. It felt timeless. And I half expected to see, you know, covered wagons coming down the hills, or a tribe of Native Americans camped by the river, or a herd of buffalo coming down the hills. Like, you could just see it. It was like right there, you know? And I thought this, the loving kindness of the Lord goes from everlasting to everlasting. Not just from east to west and north to south, but from past to present, to future. The loving kindness of the Lord spills out all over that. And I imagine myself down just being covered by the loving kindness of the Lord. And see, here's, here's our problem with where we're at. My, my, my experience fits right inside my body. You see? I, I'm only one person, and I only cover just this bit of land and, and the, this, you know, this parcel, that, that's what I have. And I, I, I only have a short life. I, my life experience is just a sliver when you put it into everlasting. We're very, very small. And it's good for us to be reminded sometimes of our smallness. Because if we get caught up in our own struggles and in the, the, the intense and very legitimate intense worries that we have, when we get too caught up in that, we start to define all of reality based on that thing, based on that sliver of time and space that we happen to occupy. And that's not right because the, 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 the loving kindness of the Lord is bigger than that. So there's something about a testimony that pulls us out of our sliver of time and space in which we occupy. And it forces us to see other things that God is doing. And it forces us to pull in those realities and at least have them in the mix. Not that they can just trump if you're going through a period of intense sadness. Not that they can just trump that. But that at least has to be in the mix. So this morning, we're bringing redemption to you. And we have some, some people who have been redeemed of the Lord. And they are going to say so themselves. The loving kindness of God goes from everlasting to everlasting. Amen? Let's start with Josh Davis. Josh, give him a hand. I love this man, Josh Davis. Tell us what in the world you have been praying for for the last, what? Over a decade. Over a decade. Um, so, <laughs> the uh, 14 eggs. Um, for the last over a decade, I've been carrying around uh, an open wound. Um, 
Oh man, this is already harder than I thought it would be. I want you to know that I am quite free with my emotions. You're going to see that. <clears throat> uh, probably about 12 years ago, um, I'm one of four children in my family. I'm the oldest son. Um, and probably about 12 years ago, my youngest brother decided he wanted nothing to do with the family. Um, so for the last 12 years, um, we've had this kind of hole in our hearts, um, which was made worse by the fact that he, you know, him and his wife and my niece, him and his wife and my niece live here in Junction City. So um, in the last decade, I've probably seen him uh, twice a year, maybe. And that was always in passing. And most of the time, I, it was completely ignored. It was, maybe I'd get a head nod, but most likely nothing. Um, so I've been going through this kind of 12-year grieving process over this thing um, and experiencing every emotion that goes along with grieving um, all in a kind of cycle. Like, you know, I'd have my anger, I'd have my sorrow. Um, there were quite a few sessions in this very building where I was over in the corner weeping and crying out and flailing in tongues um, over this pain, over this sorrow um, that I've been carrying around. Um, and of course, you can assume it's been even worse for my mom and my dad. Um, so we would get to this point, or I've, I would get to these points where um, I was kind of dead to it emotionally a little bit. I'm like, okay, great. My wound is starting to scab over. Um, it's not a perfect situation, but at least I can kind of maybe ignore this sorrow for a while until, of course, you walk by him in Safeway and he ignores you again and the scab gets ripped off and you start bleeding again. And then it would all start over. Um, so my niece is 13 and um, every now and then we get to see him in like Scandinavian festival and stuff. And that was nice, but there was no relationship at all. Um, my heart's cry has been, God, just bring him home. God, just bring him home. I don't care about any of the pain. I, don't, I won't hold on to anything. I felt kind of like um, the older brother in the prodigal story, prodigal son story, right? Only I was like, I'm learning from that story. I'm not going to begrudge my, my brother coming back. I want him back. I will apologize for anything. I will fix anything. Bring him back home, Lord. I've had this phrase um, kind of rooted in my heart, and it's that Jesus is the builder of bridges burned. And I've, and I've, I've sung that in my own personal songs, and I've said it, and I've prayed it, and I'm like, Jesus, this bridge needs to be rebuilt. We can't do it ourselves. At, I will say at no point did I ever, um, did I ever doubt the faithfulness of the Lord. I, I, I stand on his goodness. I stand on his, on his love for us. But in those moments, it sure was hard to understand his goodness. Sorry for sniffing in the microphone. So there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of bitterness and um, a lot of unjust hatred towards us that we just didn't know what to do with. Um, <laughs> sorry. Everyone doing all right? <laughs> The faithfulness of the Lord endures. 
Um, I don't know what to do with this kind of bitterness that's coming at me. Uh, I don't handle that very well. I'm a person who likes to be liked. So if anybody doesn't like me, I want to go straight to them and I say, let's fix this. I don't know why you like me, which most of the time goes poorly. Um, <laughs> because I guess I'm just too in people's faces or whatever. Um, what, it, what it came to is this. Um, oh, man. About a month ago, sorry, a little over a year ago, my, my aunt died. She went to, to heaven. And I thought, surely now, surely now with this tragedy, eyes will be opened. And he'll come home and he'll see life doesn't last forever. I didn't want him to carry around this pain of, of separation from us to the point where, you know, I didn't want him to miss out on my grandparents going to, to heaven. I, like, I'm going, Jesus Bring him home before he misses it. Bring him home. And it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And, I, and over and over again, these little things would happen. Surely now, Lord. Surely now, Lord. Nothing. Silence. Everything. Until a month ago when he, he started reconnecting with my dad. And he, he came back, you guys. A month ago, he came back. My brother, my, my other brother flew in from Florida and the Davis men got to sit in my dad's living room and just weep together and pray together and speak together and apologize and seek redemption together. And it was the most glorious, most snot-filled two and a half hours you can even imagine. It was, it was a clear dumping. And, and I took the opportunity in my family to take some leadership and say, let's not just rebuild this thing. Let's, let's. Let's take our gross, bumpy ground, let's level it, and let's start a new foundation. And the Lord will return to us the years that the devil took, and it's going to pour out 12-fold and a million-fold. I, I get to hang out with my brother again. The faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. He will answer the prayer you are clinging to. He will heal the wound. Oh, well, I thought you were, <laughs> never mind, I thought you were going to get a little emotional there. You got, you got all of us, man. You got all of us. Thank you. Okay, let's do another one, because that's not enough. Vernette Christensen, where are you? Vernette. Oh, there you are. Oh. <laughs> Here she comes. Vernette Christensen, give her a hand. This woman is one of my heroes. I know I'm not alone in this room. In that. Vernette. Vernette, you have been with this body for a long time. How long? 1978. 1978. Okay, you're going to be... 1978. <laughs> um, Vernette, when you were... Um, you, you were married to Herb in 1971, is that right? Yep. Okay, so and at that time... Uh, you and Herb, you had both been married previously and gone through a divorce. 
And, and when you married her, uh, he had, it, in dealing with the, the hurt of his, his first marriage falling apart, he had begun drinking. Is that right? Yes, heavily. Heavily drinking. Okay. So uh, in the, the, those early years, um, and you're, you're dealing with that, uh, while that's going on and you're, you're sort of trying to grapple with that, he also had an accident. Is that right? Can you tell us about that? Uh, he was a journeyman real right, and on the, he had an on-the-job accident, and it totally messed up his, his lower back. Severe accident. Yeah, and he had, like, surgeries. <laughs> he had, he was in and out of the hospital many times. He had um, lots of times for traction, several surgeries on his back, and finally ended up with uh, a spinal fusion and wore a back big back brace metal and and leather back brace for two years and struggled with that. So he's struggling with addiction and now struggling with a, a very broken body. And then, so you're, you're in the middle of this and you're praying and then you guys end up at Christ Center. Yes. And you began to teach in Christ Center School. Am I getting all this right? Yep. Okay. 1978. 1978. <laughs> okay. So now in 1980, another blow happened. What happened in 1980? Um, when he was, uh, he was 39 years old, he had uh, a heart attack. Um, yep. And what did they tell you about his prognosis? Well, uh, he, he ended up having an open heart surgery and they did a triple bypass and the, the cardiologist told us that he probably would only live till he was about 50 years old. So at that time, he was 39 years old. Yep. So he's saying that he has 11 years to live, and it could just essentially happen any time. We didn't know. <laughs> yeah. So, again, if you're keeping score here, we've got a man with a, a back that is, is just horribly messed up, and that's affecting even his ability to make a living for the family. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and now could really, he could, he, could, he could just fall over any day, really. We, we didn't know. And he did have several um, heart attacks and issues with his heart and angina and trips back and forth to the hospital. Um, and, and during that time, had issues with, with um, medical, you know, pain meds and, and addiction to pain meds that entered into the situation. So during the 1980s, you guys are having an immensely difficult time of it. How was your, what was your relationship with him like? Um, when we first got married, because we had both been through a divorce, we had said, and knew, we knew the pain of divorce, we had said that divorce was not an option, that we, we both got saved shortly after we were married, and we said, we're, we're not going to get divorced. We're going to work this out because we knew the, the suffering that comes from divorce. And so there were a lot of hard times. There were a lot of hard issues with health, with the prescription drugs, with, um, with work, with finances. And, and we just... Um, it was hard. It was real hard. And you're all the time you're working at Christ Center, and this is sort of a becomes an oasis for you. For right? me. So 
as you're sharing with the pastoral staff and you're getting prayer and you're praying, what, is, what, are, what kind of things are you praying at this time? Um, oh, boy. <laughs> what didn't I pray? I, I, um, I, I kept saying, I, I, don't know, I don't know the answers. I don't know how to get through. I need strength. Um, I, need, I need help uh, loving him. I need help forgiving him. Um, because I would, I would get hurt when, when he was going through these issues. Um, it was a lot of disappointments. It was real hard. But God, I, I know you're there. I know that you're a good God. I know that, that I can trust you. I don't always see it. Um, there were times that I, I was so hurt and disappointed. I didn't, I, I became numb. Um, I felt, I felt like I, the, I didn't even have love for him. I, but yet I kept saying, divorce is not an option. God, just help me, help me. Now, so during the 80s then, um, as he's going through this, he's having relapses and you're uh, uh, just continuing to pray for him and pray for yourself, something begins to happen, right? Pastor John begins to reach out to him and minister to him and eventually has him start coming on some outreaches, <laughs> which is... So funny, you know this story because from the outside he looks like the least likely, possible, like, least likely person <laughs> that this kind of stuff would happen to. But what what happens there? Well, um, his his health was so was so iffy because he ended up after I I skipped this part after all these heart issues. He had several heart attacks and he had, he ended up having um, four open heart surgeries over the course of this time. But John invited him to go on his first outreach, I believe to Grenada and Trinidad with a group from church. And they, they weren't sure, you know, whether his health would even make it. But he, he said, you know what? If, if I go, I go. It's, it's in God's hands. And he went, not knowing the outcome, but praise and, God. And there was one incident when he actually called you from Russia. That was several, several times, yeah. He ended up going several times to um, Guatemala and then later on over 30 times to Russia. But one of the trips to Russia, he called me in the middle of the night. I woke up and get the phone call and he said, I think I'm having a heart attack. Um, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And I, what do, you, what do you say when you're here and they're in Russia having a heart attack? I said, I, I'll either see you when you get home or I'll see you in heaven. But he didn't die. He came home. He came home. And 1990 came and went. Yep. And he was still alive. And then he just kept going to Russia. And then the Lord started doing incredible things there, right? Like opening up like whole new realms of ministry into prisons there. And this man, Herb, had like immense favor on the mission field. Amen. <laughs> and then he, he, he was also simultaneously healing your relationship as well. Yes, yes. And, you know, um, his body finally gave out uh, two years ago. But... <laughs> that was how, how many years after? 25 years after... Uh, the doctor said he wasn't going to make it. So he was 75 two years ago, and he finally passed away. But the Lord, he, you know, he took my best friend. Yeah. 
And I just, I praise God. I praise God because he, God was faithful through all the pain, all the alcoholism, the drug addiction, uh, the poor health, um, the lack of love and feeling. God was faithful through all of it to, to restore it. And, um, and now he's, he's been faithful to me as a widow for the last two years, and I just give him all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Thank you, Vernette. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Wow. The Lord does incredible and unexpected things. I want to ask Matt and Wendy Waddell to come forward. These guys have not been with us since 1978. I'm loving, loving getting to know these guys. <laughs> oh, sorry. I know. Well, it was gonna. We're gonna be toast no matter who yeah, went where. Yeah. Matt and Wendy, you guys have been through um, a lot. Maybe a lot of these guys don't know you. Tell us a little bit about what your family looks like right now. Um, so our oldest, if you were here um, the last week of June, we sent him off to YWAM to DTS, Trevin, um, and uh, I actually used to. I went to school here and graduated from here in 89 when it used to be a school, and Jeff Starr was my youth pastor when I was in high school, so it's kind of awesome, but so to get to have him uh, be youth pastor for our kids, so, and we have a um, 10th grader named Taryn and a 7th grader named Tessa, uh, so busy times with, with all them. Wonderful. So, uh, I want to go back to uh, 1996, okay, you were pregnant, can you tell us that story? Um, so we'd been married two years. We were pregnant with our first um, child. Just found out it was a son. So it was like that 20-week mark where you get to go have your ultrasound and find out what you're having. And at that time, at that time, um, they found a situation on um, something going on in his brain. So they sent us to further testing with like these 3D, you know, ultrasounds were just kind of coming out. And um, so they. Um, took a closer look and found out there was um, a stent kind of blockage in his brain stem. It's called uh, hydrocephalus, if that happens, and it's like water on the brain, basically. So um, kind of rare, um, but uh, what told us at that time, it was probably best if we had an abortion. Um, he's going to be brain damaged. He's going to be one of those kids with a big head, you know, if he even lives. Um, if, he, if he is born alive, he's not going to live long. You know, one of those kind of stories. So uh, we were like, absolutely not. We're, you know, God gave us this baby. We're going to um, take whatever he gave us, you know, and we'll be happy to, to uh, see what happens. And so um, that was at like 20 weeks. So, you know, 40 weeks is full term. So we get to about probably 35 weeks. Um, and I have regular ultrasounds. We've been praying, everyone who knew us has been praying and um, for just healing. And if not healing, then just for the ability to, to have this child um, and all the needs we would have now with this child. And so we go in about 35 weeks and they can't find the issue anymore. It's been healed. So, so you, with that healing then, 
in your mind and heart, you were excited and settled that yep. things are on the up and up. Yep. And then yep. four weeks later. Four weeks later, um, I go in for my final uh, doctor visit. We're going to induce because I get rather large. <laughs> so uh, we're going to induce. Uh, we're setting a date for induction so we can deliver this baby that's been healed and whole. And we just can't be more excited about um, 39 weeks. Go in for my uh, last ultrasound and they can't find the heartbeat. So, um, you know, uh, ends up we, we lost him and... Um, you know, we have a stillborn, we're here at the hospital for our first baby, and it was, it was such a traumatic experience for us, because everyone's in the hospital room as if this baby's coming, you know, how the hospital room is when the baby, and it's joy, but we have, we deliver this baby, and it's just silence, there's no cry, there's no joy, um, and, uh, that, that was, um, that was what we thought would be our lowest point of our life and things that we had to deal with, um, you know. So it was, it took a while to get over that. And we got pregnant again three months later. We, doctors said, you know, wait three months, let your body heal. And so we were excited to start over and start our family. So, so, um, yeah, so, <laughs> and jump in if you want to say anything. <laughs> so anything about Tanner? Um, I, I would just say that because Wendy was 100% involved in the caring of our child, I was kind of detached a little bit until the end. And uh, I think um, I wanted to stay back a little bit because of the pain and, and, and heartbreak. And, but I think, I think God was speaking me to, to comfort Wendy and, and be there for her. And I think that, that helped us in the end, me stepping in a little bit and just listening to her, how she felt, because you know, we, don't carry, we don't carry the baby for nine months, and we don't really feel much. We don't really have that bond yet, but she had a bond that, that was hurt and broken. And so. Thank you. Wendy, you had mentioned that you thought that was going to be your lowest point. Mm -hmm. But a couple of years later, something else happened. Can you tell us about that? So we get pregnant. We have a daughter, Taylor. So this is, uh, she's born May of 97. So almost exactly a year later, um, we have this beautiful baby girl, healthy and wonderful, and um, life goes on and all the other crazy things that happen in the meantime. So she, uh, we get pregnant then with Trevin, so the, the big, tall, hairy boy that was here earlier. Um, <laughs> and um, so he's about three months old. She's almost three, um, and this is April of 2000, um, and... I had been, we just bought a business or, you know, starting a business up, we're, we're exhausted. We have a three-month-old, and if you've ever had that RSV where you have to do the, the um, steroid, like, all, every couple hours in the night, all night long. So we come, we're coming off a week of that and, and just no sleep and whatnot. Um, I fall asleep at the wheel coming home from running errands um, in Eugene. Um, I crash off the side of the road into a telephone pole that um, hits Taylor, who's sitting behind me. Um, I didn't know this at the time, the EMTs told me later, but she was dead on the scene when they got there, um, and they revived her, um, life-flighted up to OS OHSU. Um, so she's at Dornbecker Hospital for about a week, um, unresponsive, basically, never came back to, so in a coma state, and we're up there with her the whole week. Um, 
feeling, obviously, we're, I don't think words can describe what we're going through at this point with this. I mean, she's broken. She was hit by a telephone pole. So it's not even, uh, I don't even think we're thinking about what's imminent, what is probably ahead. We're just thinking of let's just, we can work and fix everything else if we can just, you know, have her. Just please heal her. We're, we're praying like crazy for this healing um, because, you know, we already gave you a child like you you know we're thinking you know we we went through this hard thing and and we can't lose another one we're not this isn't how it goes this isn't how it works it's not fair you know these these feelings are going through us and um we get to the point where you know it's a week down the road and and every day they're doing brain scans and the the brain damage now has taken over her brain completely with the swelling and everything so They'd been warning us all week long that the the end was probably not going to be what we were hoping for. And then we got to the point where it was um, time. We had to let her go. So um, we go in the room, we hold her hands, and we have to pull the plug and let her go. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, why... Why do you need her? You already have Tanner. Why, why do we have to give her too? And I, I think, you know, we, both of us were hoping that someday there'd be some answer, you know, as to why, why we had to go through that, why, how it could all make sense. And I think your brain tries to rationalize. Um, if, if I can just see someday down the road that ties back to this and some glorious thing happened, you know, that, that makes all this make sense, I, I'm going to wait for that moment. I'm going to hope for that. And um, the reality of it is, is we're probably never going to know why all that happened, you know. And I used to think, first thing I'm going to ask when we get to heaven is why. What, what was that all about and why? And uh, I don't think 18 years later that's really a question for us anymore. I don't think... You know, it, it needs the answer I used to think it needed, and that's where the healing came in, you know, and that's where, the, that's where God has been working in us so much. You talked about a moment of decision that you came to with the Lord as you were praying. Um, what was that decision and that sort of transition mm-hmm. that you made? Um, for me, and I know we both have a different um, place we were at, but for me, um, there came a point where I felt like God was asking me, um, okay, you've had your time of mourning and, and grief, and you needed that. And I felt like he was saying, I was grieving with you, you know. And, um, but now we're at this point where you have to decide, are you going to come up and out of that into a place that I have for you and trust me and have faith that, you might not understand, this is confusing, and you don't understand it, but when you come up out of it and you can trust me, you can see all that I have for you, this abundant life that I have waiting for you, and, but you have to make a choice. You know, are you going to trust me? Are you going to have that faith? And that, sometimes faith is easy, and sometimes it's so hard, and you have to dig so deep. And I feel like that's where we got to is, is digging just as deep as we possibly could just to muster up enough to get started, you know. And um, as we just made that choice to walk in it, um, it got easier 
and, and I feel like God just blessed us and, and uh, we got to be involved in just starting some ministries at our last church and we got just to meet new people. We got surrounded and I feel like that abundant life started almost immediately when that choice was made, you know, for us to, to trust him and have faith. Yeah, and um, when you're, uh, I don't know if I'll be able to even talk here, but um, when you're in the hospital for a week and uh, your daughter's on all these machines and keeping her alive, and you have, you have a lot of time to think, and uh, I, I didn't sleep for that whole week, and I remember, I think God was working on me, he was talking to me, but I wasn't listening, and I think in the end, when he, uh, he finally got through to me and he said, um, when you take her off the machines, you'll see that I already, ha I already have your daughter, she's with me now, and um, you don't need to worry about where she's at, you you'll see, and, um, and that was true. I, should, uh, I think he was telling me the whole time, every, you know, every night when I was holding her hand, um, he was telling me that, and I don't think I was listening till the end. And uh, the uh, the other thing, um, for a couple months, we we kind of lost everything, lost our business, and and had to start back over. And there, there was a lot of anger. I'm talking like this much anger. I mean, I wanted to punch people that were happy, punch people that were mean. You know, I just wanted to. I was like, I was like the Hulk. I wish I had those Hulk hands and. I just go around punching everybody and punching holes in walls and uh, I was cynical. I was all, all these things that just, that wasn't me. And it took a long time and I think God put us, in our last church, he put us in the nursery. We volunteered, we went right back to where we probably wanted to avoid little kids and things like that, but we got right back into our church and, and we're in charge of the nursery and started some ministries that really helped us and, and um, so now my anger's down, way down here, uh, and I'm tall, so my, my anger was really, got, you know, DEFCON, DEFCON 5 anger, and, and I, I had no grace for people, I had no forgiveness, and uh, the healing has been amazing, and you know, as you can tell, the, everything's just under the surface, all, all of these feelings are just under the surface, and only with God can we just keep going forward and, and just blessing our, everybody around us, and, and it's just been, it's been amazing, the, the healing. Yeah, I, when I heard this story recently, I was actually shocked because you guys seem to me the picture of abundant life in the sense of just uh, your family is full of joy and you guys are so integral, intricately involved in the community. Um, you're people who build other people up. What, is, what has the restoration, the, the abundant life that you say, what does that look like in your family? Um, one thing we tell everybody is, um, when we were sitting there with holding her hands ready to let her go, um, nothing else mattered but her and that our relationship with her and that, you know, the house, the cars, the jobs, the, it, it nothing mattered. We just wanted her back, you know? And so I think for us, what changed, uh, not immediately, <laughs> but as healing started, um, relationships are what matters and and um, fellowship is what matters and 
If you spend all your time worrying about these other things, you're missing out on the relationship that we realized as we were ready to lose the most important one in our life, that, um, man, if you don't make relationships number one in your life and you put aside, if you don't have time for fellowship or you don't have time to build this relationship, you're missing it because that is all that matters. And I think for us, that's what kind of helped us with our ministries going forward was realizing that, there's always going to be weeds, there's always going to be dishes, there's never going to be enough time for, there's never time for ministry, you know, in relationship and that, that we had to make time for that. And as our family got busier, you know, making sure we make time for that and um, coming back to, to what really matters and then getting the kids involved, you know, just trying to um, foster that, that ministry mentality for the kids and, and, um, feeling like that if anything good has come out of all of this it's that you know perhaps our ministry and our kids ministry can be richer because of the value that we learned in all of it you know so yeah Amen. <laughs> wow thank you guys Thanks. thank you so much It's amazing. Sometimes the, the restoration the Lord does is so powerful that, that it, it makes you go back and question a, a lot of things, you know, like, it, it, why, why did you let that happen? Is it because of the restoration you're going to bring about? And I love what Wendy says, that you have to just sort of let those questions go, you know, like you probably, you might not get those answers of why did the dark days come? Why was there separation with Seth? Why was Herb struggling so much? Uh, with these addictions and, and, and health issues. And, and at the end of the day, we might never get those answers. But one thing is clear. The loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. That he walks with us through. See, not, not, not just like parallel. He walks through them with us. And he brings beauty from very, very difficult times. You guys, let these testimonies strengthen you this morning. I want to ask, if you're contending for something, and you've been contending for it for a long time, you've been praying for breakthrough, maybe it's something like what Josh described. Uh, a relationship has been broken, severed, and you pray, Lord, bring that back. Maybe, it, maybe it's an addiction thing like Herb was struggling with, or an intense health problem. Or maybe there has been loss. Maybe there's been death that, that's taken place and you just need healing and comfort to come to that place. Whatever it is, I want to invite you just to stand this morning um, and through the, the strength of these testimonies, just to ask God again, just to remind God, Lord, this thing is still here. I've been contending for it for a long time and I need to see your loving kindness break through. Can you just stand? Maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's for somebody close to you. Let's just stand. There you go. Yep. Lord, you see us? You see us, Lord. I'm standing too. You see us. God, and we, we thank you. We thank you for the truths that we've heard this morning from Josh, from Burnett, uh, and from the Waddells, Lord. We thank you for those things because those things are real and they are true. They're every bit as real and true as the pain and frustration that we might have of not having breakthrough. So we invite those things. We invite those victories. Lord, can we just borrow those victories this morning? Help these to bolster our faith. Lord, as we come to you again and say, see us, please. See us here. See us today. See us in the midst of the thing you know we're going through. 
Lord, your loving kindness covers us. Your loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. We've seen it there, and we ask you, Lord, bring it into our lives again. Lord, we're not going to, we're going to be like the persistent widow. We're going to just remind you, Lord, I just want to remind you, this thing is still there. This thing isn't done. But Lord, we won't go to sorrow. We won't go to sorrow. May we rejoice this morning with those who are rejoicing in victory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these victories. Thank you for your powerful restoration work. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it, even in the midst of the struggle. In the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Thank you, Josh, Burnett, and uh, uh, Matt and Wendy. Let's give these guys another hand. Thank you. Intense personal stuff here, guys. Really appreciate it. Our prayer servant team is up here. If you need prayer for anything, please come. Thank you, guys.